Welcome to the Full 60 featuring Craig Custance and presented by The Athletic. Each week, we'll dive into the biggest stories in hockey while bringing in unique voices to entertain and explain all aspects of the game. Hey, this is Craig and welcome to this week's episode of The Full 60. This is a episode that we've been meaning to do for a while. It is, we are completely overdue for the latest installment of our prospect series, uh, Full 60s featuring Corey Promen and Scott Wheeler um, for a couple of reasons. One, the trade deadline kind of um, took a lot of bandwidth. I mean, that is, it's crazy. There's a lot going on with that. So we had to shuffle some things around. Corey Promen, who it was his turn in the rotation, had a couple of really big pieces come out, uh, including his midterm rankings for this year's draft, as well as his midterm rankings of the prospects in hockey. And also, he was constantly updating a file at The Athletic, um, analyzing every single prospect traded at the deadline. So there was a lot going on. And in the, the plus side, there's a lot to talk about with Corey. So we bumped him back a week to do it this week, to have him on as our guest, and then he got the flu, so he was sick, and right now it's a, it's a snow day at my house, so it's chaotic. There's dogs barking, and but we managed to pull it off. We carved out an hour, got some some listener questions in there, broke down both of his big lists, broke down a lot of the prospects, traded at the deadline. It was a, a great conversation with Corey, who fought through. He says he's probably 50%, but um, the analysis, as always, was spot on, so Let's jump right into it. A special prospect series episode with Corey Priman of the Full Sixty. All right, Corey, this is um, this is a couple weeks in the making between the trade deadline and like travel. We, we we've been meaning to do another episode of the prospect series, and then you got the flu. On a scale of one to ten, how do you feel right now? Because you sound you sound like a two to me. I would say it's more like a five. A five. If I had right. better days. I'm just glad we're not we're not doing this one in person at the uh, Marriott Troy. I'm I'm glad I have some uh, some distance between us. I appreciate it. <laughs> so you had I would say since we last talked you had three pretty big pieces come out. Um well one was kind of a constant rolling update. I want to start there. This year rather than um helping me out with my trade grades by giving prospect analysis within that you spun out on your own and did constant updates, basically prospect analysis of every prospect traded. And I thought it, I liked the format and I thought it was good. And there was actually, I'm looking now, I'm scrolling through it. There was a lot of prospects traded this year. I don't know, maybe there always is this many, but pretty, pretty good number. Yeah, I would say in terms of the amount of significant prospects who were traded, this was an above average year for sure. When you yeah. look at... Um, you know, Nolan Foote, Tyler Madden, uh, Kalen Addison. Um, there's one or two other big ones that I'm, I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But I I thought this year in terms of the significant uh, caliber of prospects traded, there were more than usual. All right. Well, let's start. Let's start at the top of the list. And so because there's a couple there's you know, former first rounders, this is a pretty, pretty good list. And, and the one I am interested in is Nolan Foote because... You know that's that's they trade the New Jersey Devils sent uh, Blake Coleman to the Tampa Bay Lightning for Nolan Foot and a first, and an interesting first at that because it's Vancouver's first. That if they miss the playoffs, it becomes next year's first, and then it could go anywhere in the in the in the first round. So there's a lot of intrigue there. Um, and I you know right after that deal, you heard some kind of debate about Nolan Foot uh, and maybe Tampa was getting out early there. What, what do you think of him and his development? right now i wouldn't say his development has gone amazing um a colonna is not a team that's doing incredibly well right now okay. and and actually that's kind of been a point of debate uh because they're the host of the memorial cup and that team right now just is is does not look all that strong um but when foot played for team canada both in the summer and at the world juniors uh, he showed he was he uh, was very good at both events. Uh, thought he showed excellent uh, uh, goal scoring ability. He showed the ability to make plays. Uh, the skating still is not incredibly strong, but I you know 
from from what I've seen of him all season, I thought he was a pretty good prospect. I don't I don't think he's an amazing prospect, but I thought he's a guy who could be a, a middle six forward in the NHL. The the Devils did some they did a lot of business. Would he would you say considering the package they got in the Taylor Hall trade, um, they also got a prospect in the Sammy Vatanen trade from Carolina. Is was is is Nolan Foot the the best guy out of the group? Yeah, I would say so. I, I do like Kuokinen, and I and I do like Kevin Ball and, and, and Nick Merkley. Uh, yeah. But I would say Foot is the best prospect they got there. And I, I wouldn't say from the work they did at the trade deadline that you know the cup, you know the uh, their farm system is now stocked for the future. They have a lot more work to do there still. Um, but particularly Foot, I think is the guy you hope can really just become a, a true above average regular. Uh, which for the other ones, I'm, I wouldn't say that's their projections right now. Right. And I mean, in the big thing was the draft picks. Like New Jersey's now, I think, if you know things kind of go as you'd expect, I think they have three first-round picks in this draft coming up. Still have, if they want to trade Kyle Palmieri in the summer, if that's something they're interested in doing, um, they still have a bit of ammunition there. So Tom Fitzgerald's been... Pretty busy there, I would say. So you like the kid they got from Carolina? Carolina, I mixed his name with the the team because there was uh, you heard that maybe he'd stagnated a little bit in the AHL. Um, high end skill guy, I, I, but you know, again, another guy with some mixed results. Yeah, I, I like him. I don't love him, but okay. he, he's he's a good player. Um, you heard, uh, yeah, you definitely heard some things from scouts who are watching him the, la- the last year or two about, you know, sometimes his effort level comes and goes. Um, yeah. His skating's just fine, but, it, you know, he's got really big-time hockey sense and he can make plays. And um, I wouldn't say, you know, he's a lock to, to play in the NHL, but I'm, I'm pretty confident he's going to make it. I'm, I'm not sure he's maybe more than the third line forward, but I do like the player. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, the draft picks that you mentioned is kind of the big thing there. I think, I think both New Jersey and Ottawa have three first rounders now, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. In it's, this it's year's draft. Crazy. And Ottawa could have, I mean, depending on San Jose, like they could have two in the top three, which is, that would be something. Yeah. Yeah. I think I counted it from right after the deadline. I think not total picks that have been moved, but I think because, uh, that, that Vancouver pick got moved twice. Uh, but yeah. I think there were ten transactions involving a twenty twenty first round pick. Wow, and and it's funny because you kept hearing, well, this is you know teams are going to hoard their first round picks; they don't want to trade them. But the difference I saw at the deadline this year was these weren't rentals anymore. Now we've shifted to trying to make trades that are helping you beyond this season at the deadline. And so a lot of these first round picks were traded for players uh, that aren't leaving, aside from what. Um, the Islanders did with Pajot and then signed him. So for the record, I just did it because right and I, and, and, I, and Arizona I, with Hall and Arizona with Hall. So I just did a tankathon to see what Ottawa did, and they did not get to. They, they're drafting fourth and fifth on my tankathon that I just ran. That I'm sure is going to be the official order. So they so yeah so they, I mean a lot of first round picks moved. Um, another trade that to me that was really fascinating was Florida sending uh, Vincent Trocek to the Carolina Hurricanes. And a couple, couple prospects there. The, the one is um, the college kid, the defenseman, Chase Prisky. Uh, again, yeah. uh, there's you know, some buzz around him um, last year. Where, where do you kind of project him as an NHL player for Florida? And what do you think of that trade overall? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a bubble NHL player for me. I, I'm doing my, my next piece on the top college free agents, junior free agents, European free agents. Yeah. And um, I find around this time of year, the, the hype on a lot of these guys gets a little out of control at times. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it not, does. Not I mean, anything we're doing. There's, there's we're not like contributing two, to that at all. Yeah, we're, not, we're not contributing to that at all. But, you know, there's usually like five to you know, the six guys who, you know, from, from all um, the leagues, from junior college in Europe, who probably could project to make it, I think, on average. Yeah. Um, but usually it's just getting overly excited and, and Prisky's a nice player. I think he's got really good offensive hockey sense. Um, I'm not sure he skates well enough to be in the NHL, but I think it, it's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't write him off. I think he's a, he's a good prospect. I wouldn't say he's a great prospect. 
Um, between him and Louis Reinen, I probably would say the latter is a little ahead as, as a prospect. Um, younger, has played a, a bigger role on the same team uh, in yeah. Charlotte this season. Um, played NHL games this season. Um, not a flashy player, but nice, safe two-way forward. Possibly he could be a fourth liner, I think. Yeah, and so that to me, that struck me as a trade. Like if you're in a fantasy league with someone where someone just got a bunch of players, if and, but the the best player was going the other way. Like I felt like my criticism of the deal was that Florida was trying to do too much, right? Like they, you know, Eric Hollow was in the trade, so they can still compete now. You're building out depth. Where if you're trading a centerman like Trocheck, I'm ideally just trying to get one guy, like one high end prospect, or, or something. You know what I mean? Or, or maybe you know a young defenseman or something that like that's a bullet you don't have a ton of as an organization and I thought they spread it out amongst the players too much but I mean who knows yeah no that, that's fair um, Caroline definitely got the best player in that trade and you know we'll see if they you know how Walmart pet continues to develop we'll see if either Prisky or Lewitzerin can make it to the NHL um. At at this current stage, it's hard to, I think, make a reasonable argument that that Florida got the best end of that deal right now. Um, But, uh, you know, we'll we'll see how these next maybe like one or two years pan out with those young players. All right, let's do a little bit of lightning round with some of the other players. Axel Anderson, a defenseman traded in the Cache trade to Boston Bruins. Um, You know... Not a huge name in terms of prospects. Probably when I was asking people about him and analyzing that trade, guys were saying like a fifth or sixth yeah. defenseman in the NHL. Is that yeah, consistent if, with what yeah, you think? Yeah, if that. I think the first round pick there was kind of the, was kind of the main asset they got there. He's yeah. a fine player, but I wouldn't say he's a big time prospect. Um, and then I would say the other surprising name to move in the prospect world was Tyler Madden, and that was part of the yes. Canucks-Kings trade. Um, again, now, and, and this one's interesting because now we're talking about a potentially a guy. This is a guy that was in your top 50 midseason prospect ranking. This is a notable name for a rental with a draft pick. So I didn't I didn't love this trade for Vancouver because they may not even make the playoffs. So that one... Uh, and I get what they're trying to do there because of some injuries. You want to keep the team in the mix and reward that team. And it may work out yet. But Tyler Madden goes to the Kings, uh, a, f- a franchise that's already loaded, that has uh, you know some more picks coming up. Really, you know they've done a nice job in, in a fairly quick amount of time, the Kings have, in restocking that system that you think maybe it could be happening fast enough that you can get some use yet out of Dowdy and Kopitar once these players are ready. Um, what, what do you think of Tyler Madden? Were you surprised he was moved, and and how do you, how does he project for the Kings? Yeah, I, I was surprised he was moved just because I think he's you know a guy who projects as a as a third, if not a second line center in the National Hockey League. I I see a guy with elite skill. He's got a great two way hockey sense. He can uh, I think he's going to be able to defend in the NHL, even though he's not the biggest or the quickest. Um, and I think that's those are the main reasons people there are people there are detractors of him they they just don't see the the speed and they see a you know a really thin frame that still hasn't put on weight even yeah. though he's already uh, twenty twenty years old right now um, so I understand why there's some skepticism about him but uh, you know I'm a big fan I think he just he's he's a great hockey player um, and, and yeah I thought I thought that was a peculiar move for them to make because as you mentioned you know. I think they're probably going to make the playoffs. I mean, uh, looking at Dom's projections right now, he has them at 86% yeah. to make the playoffs. Um, but at the same time, you know, they are an extreme long shot to make noise in the playoffs. Right. Um, you know, if, you know, when, when Tampa move foot, you know, you can't really criticize them because this is a team that's built to win right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, Got got to make your runs when you can, um, you know. So with, with Tampa, Boston, St. Louis, Pittsburgh, Colorado, I get why those teams have to you know kind of push their chips into the middle. Um, for, for a team like Vancouver, didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, yeah. I, I I again I I respect 
that they they want to try and you know make make their team better. But I I thought that was a rather big price to pay, given that I didn't really see you know at the end of the day the the goal is to win the Stanley Cup. It's not to win a round in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and I'm not really sure this is a team that's going to be able to win the Stanley Cup right now. Um, no, probably not. All right, the, the last one I want to get at, because I know a lot of Minnesota Wild fans are interested in this, is Kalen Addison. He was part of the Jason Zucker trade to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, I thought it was. I thought Bill Guerin did well here. I thought they, they were fascinating that we almost saw a Zach Parise trade. A lot going on with the Wild. You had uh, some interest in their defensemen. All in all, though, they really ended up. They, really, they only ended up making the one trade with the Penguins. Um, did well with the return. I guess it depends on how how much how well you think of Kalen Addison. Where are you at on him? Yeah, I do think he's a pretty good player. And in talking to uh, folks around the league, I think the consensus was is it was a high price uh, to pay for Pittsburgh for Zucker because mm-hmm. um, it was I believe they had to move the first round pick. Um, Addison and Galchenyuk, right, to get Zucker. Um, I guess so. Now you, I think you have to ask the question. Um, you know, how big an upgrade is is Zucker from Galchenyuk, and is that upgrade also worth Addison plus the first round pick? Um, I think Addison is a guy who projects to play in the NHL. I think he'll be on the power play in the NHL. I think he's a tremendous skater and tremendous puck mover. I think his defensive play is. Mediocre, just because yeah. just because of his of his size and his lack of physicality. But I think these this is a guy who's in, in with the way you see defensemen getting smaller and quicker in the NHL nowadays. I think he he will he will fit in uh, without a problem. I think. Um, yeah, yeah um, I, I you thought. said he's divisive. In your write up, you said he's divisive. Is that just the size and his defensive play? Concerns. Yeah, just just guys yeah. think you know he's just you know good junior defenseman. Not sure if he'll make it in the NHL, but uh, but I think he's going to do it. Um, I definitely know some NHL people who think he's going to be a, a pretty good player. Um, I, and I, for the for those reasons, you know, I, I thought that uh, Minnesota did did pretty well in that deal. Uh, uh, and yeah, the other trade I thought that was interesting that I just want to point out was when. Yeah. Uh, the Rangers and the Hurricanes exchanged top prospects in Joey Keene and Julian Goche. You don't usually yeah. see many one-for-one prospect trades, so I thought that was interesting. Yeah, what did you think of that? Um, well, you know, Goche was is nearing waiver status. He needs uh, he will need to clear waivers if he gets cut by the Rangers next next fall. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was just you know I think you look at the Hurricanes and. That's a very uh, talented roster, uh, even more so now with Tro- with Trocheck added to the mix, and I think you just it was going to be tough for him to make it. So I think they had kind of had to make make a decision there. Added a guy in Keene who's having a great rookie pro season. Um, you know he's a two years younger, so they have more time to wait on him. Yeah, and go tease up with the Rangers right now. So I think it, it helped both teams. I like that deal. I like those. Like you're right. We don't see those too often in the league where it's prospect for prospect, and I just think it's smart. Like and, and what we do see them is usually like just like minor league trades, where it's like not not guys who are really like significant. Right. It's players, like an AHL. Like. like somebody's making some some moves for their AHL team. Like, like this is legitimate. Like hey, we're dealing from some strength, or we want some more time to make a decision. Um, I'm trying to think of where that's panned out. Um, gosh, Chicago did one a couple years ago. I remember with the defenseman. I don't know if it worked out, but I, I like the thought process there. And it gets back to like when you're drafting. You know, there's always a debate: do you draft for need or best player available? And of course, it should always be best player available. But we see teams do it where they're like, "Well, we've got a million defensemen in the system. We're gonna grab a forward." And like this is an argument to say, "Look, you can always sort that stuff out later." Yeah, I mean, I I know, you know, every team will say in the lead up to the draft or in their post draft uh, press conferences that we always pick best player available. But I mean, I think you and I have been around long enough to know that's not always how it pans out. No, no, they're it's not at all. And when you talk to people, they'll be like, "Yeah, well, look, we have, you know, when you or, or they'll say something like, if you're saying, "Hey, what do you think of this prospect?" 
why'd you pass on them? They'll say, well, we have two or three of those guys like of similar characteristics, let's say, already in our system. And and you, so like it, it absolutely factors in. And, you know, that's just, that's understandable. Um, all right, let's shift gears because you had two monster files since we last talked. And I, I, we're going to save the 2020 draft for the second half of the podcast. I do want to look at your 2019 2020 midseason NHL prospect rankings. Again, this is all on theathletic.com. Um, the easiest thing to do is just to search Corey Pronman in The Athletic, and you can pull up all of his work on the Corey Pronman landing page there. Um, this came out January 15th, and this is your this is your top prospects. These are drafted players. And I gotta say, I was I, I guess I didn't know. I didn't have. I went in with no opinions. I guess I didn't know who I thought would be number one. There wasn't a clear cut number one. But Trevor Zegras, Anaheim Ducks pick, who went ninth overall. So this isn't like it was a number one or number two player. Number one on your list was. Um, what have you seen from him since draft that that put him at the top? Yeah, uh, I would say, um, pretty much going into around November, I had kind of been thinking to myself that the number one overall prospect was going to be a real significant debate. Yeah. Um, I was kind of looking at how this landscape was playing out uh, where none of the real like high, high-end picks were having lights-out seasons. Yeah. Um, like Bowen Byram was not having an amazing season. Um uh, Mort Sider was having a pretty good season. I wouldn't say it was like just a, a tremendous, you know, you know, first overall type season. Uh, Turcotte wasn't having the best year. Um, I'm trying to see if I'm forgetting anybody, but that was just and, kind of and also the some of the top picks. Were, I mean, like Jack Hughes is in the NHL. Like like some of these other guys that you would think yeah. would be on this list are already graduated. And so that factors in. Yeah, so yeah. now you're not you're, you're dipping beyond the top couple picks of the drafts, and it's we're getting yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Right. Um, but I kind of knew like it was going to be between Zegris, Cousins, Byram, um, Cider. You know, I thought Caulfield. I thought Turcotte probably was in that mix at some point, but I, his season hasn't really been the best so far. So I think he kind of played his way out of that mix as the season went along. Um, with Zegras, I just see a guy who has, you know, true game-breaking skill in hockey sense. I see a guy who can make plays that really nobody else um, outside the NHL can. I think he's a, he's a special playmaker. I think, you know, I've seen it for years, but I think if if your first introduction to him was at the World Juniors, yeah, you you saw the kind of unique things he can do with the puck and and the way his his brain works. Um, he's not a perfect player, and you know, and while he's having a good freshman year, I wouldn't say he's been dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, he's got thirty three points in in thirty games. You know, which is you know, it's a good season. It's not an amazing season. Um, so I can see the arguments against him just because it's like, okay, well, he's he's not lighting it up. So, right. and then if it wasn't him, I would say, okay, well, then who is it? Right. Um, you know, I, I don't think there is a, a clear cut number one. Um, but I think the upside with him is just so significant that it, it would make me lean that way. Even if you can say maybe a guy like Cousins um, has better numbers or, you know, or maybe or you know, a guy like Siders having a great year, or Denisenko, who's was also very impressive at the World Juniors. Um I I just see a guy who can be that true number one playmaking centerman in the NHL if 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 everything goes well for him. Has he has he created a gap? Like so, I always felt like him and Turcotte were lumped together, and yeah, you know you you weren't sure which one was going to go higher. You can make a case for either one. Has he really created a gap there with Turcotte? Um, I would say so. Right now, I I must say I wouldn't. For, if I pulled NHL folks, um. I I would probably get fifty fifty replies back. Yeah. I know there's still some people who are huge Turcot fans. Yeah. Um. It, but Turks hasn't had the best year. The, you know he's underreported game right now. Uh, it, you know Wisconsin obviously overall ha- has not been you know 
probably as strong as some would have hoped for them to be them for them to be this season. But uh, for me, I always say what was would have been very close uh, this time last year. I think had you know Zegers has pulled away a little bit for me. Yeah, yeah, Turcotte course went fifth overall to the kings again the absolutely loaded los angeles kings um system it's still still a great player a couple guys slipping or maybe dropping a little bit since the draft bowen byram it's three on your list of course still everywhere you want to be but um like what have you seen from him and and kind of is there any reason to be concerned at all if you're a colorado fan uh i mean concern is Probably not how I would phrase it. Uh, you know, he hasn't had um, a tremendous season, particularly for a guy who's an 18 year old uh, and, a, and a top five pick. You know, he's had a good, he's had a very good season. Um, and, you know, kind of when I talked to NHL folks about him last season, the kind of the one concern people would tell me is like, okay, he's, he's an elite, elite skater. Um, but we question. If he can be a true elite play driver, um, playmaker in the National Hockey League, and I think when I watched him this season, I can see some of those, some of that popping up. Where he definitely has skill and can make some high end plays, but I wouldn't say like, uh, you know, he's. I wouldn't say it's any. His offensive game is elite. I'm not sure his playmaking ability is, is truly elite, but he, he's still a great player. A guy I think can be a top pairing defenseman in the NHL. So, you know, whether or not you know, I I rate him a little higher this time last year. Um, so if you wanted to say that's some concerns, if I moved him down slightly, sure. But you know, I still think he's a great. He's going to be a great NHL player. The best line in the whole piece was in the Kaprizov section. He's ranked number nine more overall. Where you're like, hey, you Wild fans probably don't know who this is. Um, of course, that's not true. They're obsessed with him, as they should be. Like he's the future. He cracks their top ten. It's funny, like when you're just scrolling through this to see a 97 born, you know, as part of the conversation here. Um, he's the expectation is he'll be in Minnesota next year. How do you factor in? Like, that's a tough one, right? Like, you have all these kids who are, you know, O1s or whatever that are that are much younger. When you have a guy who now there's a bit of a book, we've seen him in the KHL, we're expecting him to play in the league next year. How did you How did you figure out where to s- slot Kaprizov? Um, yeah, I mean, when you're doing this, you're trying to put everybody on kind of an equal scale. Uh, it's kind of why you use uh, tool grades is so you can kind of line people up in some sort of equivalent manner. Yeah. Uh, with a guy like Kaprizov, I tend to give extra weight to guys who have shown they can be successful versus men. So it's not just the KHL. If anyone like with Soderstrom in the SHL, for example, if you show you could be successful versus men, um, I, I tend to weigh that very heavily um, because it's always nice when guys are have big ears in junior. And then they go to the American League, and all of a sudden, it's uh, it's a big adjustment for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when so a guy like Kaprizov, who I think is you know has real high end skill and has having a, a fantastic year in the KHL, I think he's, you know he he has I think at least thirty goals, I believe, last I checked. Um, you know, uh, and I've watched a lot of that team this year because they have they have numerous uh, free agents who are probably going to get signed. Um. Yeah, no, I mean, he's a, he's a top end player. I I think with Kaprizov, uh, you know, he's he's a great player. I think he's going to be a very good NHL player. I, you know, I I think the hype machine on him maybe got a little bit out of control there for a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I don't see him being a Panarin type of player in the right. NHL. Sure, no. Like I think like I don't know if he's going to come in and be like this no doubt star who's just going to help turn the wilds fortunes around like I, like I just don't see him as that kind of guy I mean I don't think he's a he's a great player he's gonna be a, a huge part of the solution there I just don't see him being like that kind of guy um so what what was the response to your list what, what created the most controversy what, 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 when you had to dive into the comments section there are your mentions on this list? oh boy where did you find the conversation if you did it all well, I'm sure you did you're good about that where did you find the conversation oh centering um, there's probably a few, probably Kaliev at seven, uh, Nick yeah. Robertson at 11. 
Um, yeah. Probably where Turcott was overall, uh, which which was fifteen. Let's start with Robertson. Well, let's. I, I'm curious about Robertson at, at eleven. Here's a guy that was in the 2019 draft, the 53rd overall. He yeah. makes a jump from number 77 on your previous ranking to number 11. That's pretty. That's a pretty significant jump. What have you seen from him that that you really liked? Uh, I mean, he's just he's having a monster year right now. I, he has 47 goals in 41 games right now. Um, <laughs> Sorry, he, is that good? He's, yeah, no, I mean, he's been a dominant player in the OHL. He was one of USA's best forwards at the World Juniors. I, I see a guy with tremendous skill, tremendous hockey sense, a tr- uh, guy who competes hard. I, you know, he's not the biggest and he's not the quickest. So I understand why some have some reservations on him because I think that some you can watch him and be like, oh, the skill set is more junior than NHL just because of the, sure. the size and the skating. Um, but I, I just see a guy who's just, you know, how, how can you knock him? 47 goals, 73 points in 41 games. Uh, and I, I, and when you watch him, it's just, it doesn't just, he's not just scoring. Like he looks dynamic when you watch him. Uh, I think he, he, that looks like a tremendous pick right now for Toronto. Yeah. Five, nine, one sixty one. Like that's the, I guess that's, that's the reason he lasts to pick. Seven or what was he picked? Yeah, and the skating uh, too, which I think is just skating. okay. Yeah. Um. Okay. I mean, this. I mean, these lists are always great. There's a lot of any other players that jump out at you, or you wanted to get uh, anything off your chest in this list? Uh, nothing in particular that comes to mind that I want to get off my chest. Um, I thought the one mover for me was Soderstrom. Mm-hmm. That that was one I moved. I moved on pretty pretty uh, significantly too. I think I had him overall at um, uh, I wasn't a big believer of him going into the draft and I yep. and I kind of switched around that pretty significantly. I had him as as the number eight prospect now. Uh, from watching him in the SHL and at the World Juniors, I I just see a guy with tremendous skill, tremendous offensive hockey sense. Um you know, I I definitely could see what Arizona saw and taking him eleventh overall. And well, in your defense, you didn't get to work him out like forty times like the Arizona Coyotes did before <laughs> the draft. <laughs> so he, he sorry, are we allowed to joke about that yet? Is it too soon? Um, uh, he we, he goes from one hundred two previous ranking to number eight. That's a pretty yeah, that's a big jump. Um, Soderstrom, the guy, the other guy that was, um, he was always, I don't want to, maybe I'm lumped them together was the kid that, uh, Broberg in, in Edmonton. Like those were the two kind of wild card defensemen in that draft. I remember Broberg ends up at number 31 on your list actually slides a little bit. So what, what was the difference yeah. there? What, what haven't you seen from him? Yeah, but he's, his season's just been very, just okay mm-hmm. in the SHL this season. I think he's struggling to create offense. Um, I went, and when I talked to him, you know, he he kind of said as much that he knows he needs to be doing a little bit more offensively, both in the SHL and at the World Juniors. I thought he just didn't really get a whole lot done there offensively. Uh, you know, he's an elite skater and at six three, and uh, so I think there's still going to be, you know, chances for him, you know, to be to be a very good NHL player. I, I definitely do think he has offense in his game. I, I've seen times this year where his skill really pops. Um, but um, you know, six points in thirty-eight games is is still not. It's it's hard to get around that. Right. Um, and the other guy from that draft who I think is a tremendous toolkit. I because th- I think Broberg has a tremendous toolkit. Would, would have been Matt Boldy, mm-hmm. who I had at at uh, I believe I had him at twenty-three. I think. Yeah, yeah but, uh, and I, you could probably argue him for him to be higher right now because I, I mean, I've been watching a lot of Matt Boldy this season, and I think he's just looked tremendous. But he didn't really have a great first half uh, production wise. Yeah, so it was kind of he was a really hard guy to slot. Yeah, he's a tough one, right? Like he's but solid player, man. I, I've always been a fan. Oh yeah, no, like again, when I've watched him this season, you, he just dazzles with his his skill and his playmaking. Um, so it, he was so tough because at the at the midpoint of the year when they had to do this list, um, I don't remember exactly how many points he had. I think I may, maybe I would have said that in the profile. 
Four points in sixteen games as a freshman. Oh, at BC. yeah. So that was yeah. So that was uh, that's a tough number. That's not a great number. Um, and he's been and he's been hot since then. I think yeah. he's um he's got twenty one thirty right now. Okay. All right. So it's it's coming along, and I when I've watched him, I thought he's looked you know you know like a top end guy, and so you know if I had to redo this list, maybe he moves up a little bit. Maybe not dramatically, just maybe more like a little bit. Um, it's hard. I, I'm not 100 percent sure what I would do there, but I but I do know he's a, a um, he was a tough one for me. Um, interesting to note with him, and I don't know if he's still is he still playing center for BC during this. No, this they moved jump? him to the wing in yeah. the second half. So that's maybe that's something to you know he's a guy that because the team he was on previously was pretty loaded down the middle was on the wing. Started off at center and and is now you know seem clearly that maybe that's that's where he needs to be. So all right, well great list. This is good. Let's take a quick break here, Corey, and then we're gonna jump back into the final piece. And then I've got a bunch of questions from from Twitter. So hold on one second. On a day like today, if you're Corey and you're not feeling well, and the last thing you want to do is leave your house, or you're me and you've got a million kids home and it's a snow day, you don't want to go to the grocery store. You don't want to go out to eat. You want stuff brought to you. I actually, I I always want stuff brought to me at all times. That's what makes DoorDash so great. DoorDash brings everything to your door. Ordering is super easy. You open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. There are 310,000 restaurant partners in 4,000 cities. So wherever you live, whatever you're in the mood for, pizza, Mexican, I guess if you're Corey, maybe like some chicken noodle soup. I'm sure anything you want is on DoorDash. Um, it's in all 50 states, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia. And you can order from your local go-tos or choose from national chain restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, uh, Wendy's, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, oh, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. So right now, listeners to the Full 60 can get $5 off the first order of $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app and enter the code FULL60, that's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app sure. in the App Store and enter the code the code FULL60. So don't forget, that's FULL60 is your code to get $5 off your first order with DoorDash, which I'm going to do right now. All right, Corey, the 2020 NHL Draft, you put out the rankings. This is your midseason rankings. Um, and first I always like to ask this question in general terms about this draft from, from what you have been able to study now, how does this draft rate? How how do we compare this one? Like, you know, you always hear teams that are trading first round picks are like, yeah, we feel like, you know, we didn't mind getting out of the first teams trading for first round picks. We're like, yeah, my scouts really wanted to get into the first, um, this is supposed to be a good draft. How does this draft shake out just in general terms overall? Um, you know, it, I probably wouldn't be at a point where I could comment on the entirety of the draft just yet, but from at least from like from the first round. Yeah. You know, it, it looks pretty average, I think, to me right now. Not okay. not bad, not great. It looks like it looks like a standard draft to me right now, where you kind of have you know the one or two guys at the top there in in left frontier and by and byfield who are you know foundational type players. Um, you got then you have about five or six other guys after that who are probably you know are true high end prospects. Um, so yeah, that's typically how I think an uh, an average draft plays out. Yeah. Um, I would say two things. One is that I usually don't feel comfortable talk commenting on that till like the spring when I have time to really dive into guys. And also, I find just my personal opinion. I I will. I have to say what I think of the draft because that's my job like, to tell you whether I think it's a good or a bad draft. But I also find that it could be a bit of a fool's errand to do that just because I think, you know, projecting individual players has such a high error rate that when you kind of combine all of those guys into one projection, you're you're pretty much guaranteeing you're going to screw up. <laughs> this is all of this but, a I mean, fool's errand, Corey. This is everything we do is a fool's errand. I mean, you're you're not <laughs> wrong, but yeah, it, it 
But to answer your question, I think it's about an average draft right now. And um, and I'm going to hold you to that uh, in 10 years. Okay, no, that's, that's, that's fine. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, and, and you, you, it, it was interesting because I just came back from the, Febru- the, the U18 Five Nations um, in the Czech Republic where a lot of the top draft eligibles were playing. Um, and I wouldn't say from a talent perspective that tournament was overly impressive. Now, mind you, I think a lot of the talent is in Canada this yeah. season and Canada was not participating in that. I also think a lot of the talent is in the late 01s, and that was an 02 tournament. Um, but given how, I guess, you know, how much of a lack of flash there was at that event, um, it was interesting to see so many first round picks move shortly thereafter. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Maybe people were there and were like, eh, we're okay. We can move our first. No, yeah. I mean, I. I, th- I mean, I, I think a lot of the top end guys like, you know, Perfetti, Drysdale, Raymond Holtz, Rossi, Stutzel, you know, Byfield, Lafreniere, uh, you know, they all were, they all weren't it at that tournament. So you, you kind of have to be, do a lot of, you know, there's a bit of a balance there. But uh, I would probably say, you know, it's a, I would probably say it's a, it's a fine draft class. I would say it's an amazing draft class right now. Okay. So the clear number one, he is he's created a bit of a gap. There's uh, doesn't seem to be a, a ton of debate here, Lafreniere. So the question to me is, and you're probably going to say it's a fool's errand, and you don't want to have, have this analysis. But where, how does he compare to, let's say, last year's top? Like if it's Jack Hughes and him, like like if we're talking high end, where does he slot compared to some of the previous number ones? Obviously, you know. You know, I uh, you know because Jack hasn't had uh, the best uh, rookie season so far. Um, Is it, a take that probably won't age. That probably doesn't look very good. Um, but you know, I probably would have taken Jack over Lafreniere. Uh, I I was a gigantic fan of Jack coming yeah. out of the draft last season. I thought he, I thought he was going to put up sixty plus points in the NHL as a rookie. Um, that obviously hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm still a huge fan of him, and I, I think he's going to become a big time player. Um, but it, I would say it's very close. I kind of have both of them in like in the same tier grouping coming out of the draft. Yeah, in the special NHL prospect grouping. So I, I, you know, I could go either way, but I would have leaned towards Jack Hughes. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. So. So clear cut number one, we, we you know we're going to be talking about this kid for the next few months here. I, to me, where it gets interesting, actually, sounds like it sounds like you can tell me if you disagree. You probably want to be in the top two. If not, then it doesn't matter if you're five through three through seven. Is that a fair at this point? It depends who you talk to. I think there's some folks who don't have Byfield as the clear two, mm. and some who think Stutzel. Could be in that mix. Yes, I agree with that. I've heard a little bit of that. Um, I personally think there's a bit of a gap there between Byfield and Stutzel, mm-hmm. from what I've seen. Um, you know, if I if, if I was picking, I would want to be in the top two. I think those are the, those are two you know truly foundational players. With Byfield, um, but I'm aware so Byfield's that I, your guy. By, you're, by, you're not wavering off Byfield as two at two. No, I I think Byfield is a, just a, he's a special player. I think you know when you when you have a guy who's six four has high end skating ability, elite skill. I mean that that's the kind of guy you just you, you know that's the guy who just looks like he's going to be a star in the NHL. Uh, yeah, I I I, th- I think and he's it's not like he's having a bad year. Also, he's like nearly two points a game in the OHL this year. Is one of the youngest players in the draft class. Um. Uh, I I think he's a special player. Um, okay, you 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 saw Stutzel recently, right? Yeah, I feel like you were just there, yeah. right? Okay, that's yeah. that's the guy I want to hone in a little bit on because that's you know when people were coming back from Europe, you were hearing, okay, hey, maybe this is a guy that goes that go, that goes to. But what I found interesting, I think Scott Wheeler had him when he did a similar uh, ranking, didn't have him at three. What, what a you know break down this kid's game and 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 what you like and don't like and what the concerns are. I I see a guy with 
uh, you know, really high end skill and playmaking ability. Um, I think the difference between him and guys like maybe you know Raymond and Holtz will be that he's just a better skater than them. Mm-hmm. I also think, even though he's listed as a wing, I think you talk to people, they think he projects as a center. So if you're looking at you know I you know the four you know the top four guys, I think you know three of the top four guys, not Lafreniere, but you know Byfield, Stutzel, Rossi, I think. You know, those two to four guys, I think, project as first-line centers in the NHL. And I think, you know, that those that's in a very important role uh, right right now in the league. Yeah. And atop the fact, I think they're all just really incredibly talented players. And kind of like I said before, I give, I give value to guys who produce and look like they can play versus men. You know, Stutzel's been, you know, a key player for Mannheim this season. Uh, not like kind of where Cider was last season, where he was playing the tail end of their roster, and where you know Holtz has been in the middle of Jurgarden's lineup, and Raymond's kind of been like a 12-13 forward at times for Frulunda. You know, Stutzel's playing right at the top of their lineup. You know, first power play, you know, major minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find you know the pure skill set. It's really good. I, I'm not you know I wouldn't say it's the third best pure skill set in the draft. Um, but it's not it's not that far off, and when you combine what, you, what he's doing versus men right now, I, you know, I think he's, you know, I, I I didn't really have to think much on putting him at at three. How so? I always get a little nervous when people are like, "Yeah, he's, uh, you know, as a teenager, he's playing on the wing, but we're gonna we project him as a center in the NHL." I think that's a hard transition. Why 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 do why are we comfortable saying that with him? Well, I've seen him play center before. Okay. Um, I've seen him play center at the U18 uh, World Championship level. Uh, he played a little bit of center at the World Juniors. He, he was kind of on and off there. Uh, when, when I went to go talk to him when I was there, uh, he kind of told me he feels like he could, he could play center or wing. Um, and he, he would have no problem doing either. Right. Um, so it, it's not one of those like he's never played center in his life. Let's just and we, we're just gonna throw him in there after <laughs> and see and see how he does. You know he's played center for a large portion of his life. Um, you know I think he was just he's a rookie um, pro at seventeen, so they put him on the wing there. Yeah. Um, sure. but I think you know what wherever he ends up in the NHL depends on the team, their preferences, their depth chart. But I think at the very least he could do, I definitely think he could be a center. All right. So we know we're good. So the top seven uh, on this ranking are all forwards, but we always know teams are going to, teams are going to not, I don't want to say reach for D because they have them ranked how they have them ranked. Your number one D on the list. So there's going to be some of these D that go higher than we think. Typically Jamie Drysdale yeah. is your number one D. Um, so if a team, I don't want to, you know, if a team says, you know, we need a D, this is the only time we're going to get him. We're going to take him at four. How 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 good do you feel about that? Like, how good is this kid? He's he's really good. Um, at four, uh, I probably wouldn't want to do that. I I think if a guy like Stutzel or Marco Rossi is is still there, and, and you're going for Drysdale. I think you've probably been leaving some value on the board, you know, maybe more towards five or six. You're starting to approach the the range of where it's reasonable to take him. Yeah. But I think if, if Marco Rossi is still there, I mean, he has, you know, you know, he's at two points a game right now in the OHL. I, I, and he's a dynamic player who plays all situations as a centerman. I, I, that would, that would be a tough one for me to, 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 to leave him on the board to go for Drysdale, who I think is a great player. I probably would not say is a dynamic game breaking type of type of player. Whereas I yeah. think, you know, Stutzel, Rossi, Byfield, they they kind of are in that dynamic game breaking type of mold. All right. Who is your prediction for the defenseman who jumps up, you know, from uh, like let's say this, this year's cider, a guy who a team really likes that's willing to take a little bit of a risk to, to grab him. Like who's going to be some, a mover on D and on this list. Well, my list is not a reflection of the consensus um, of teams. Right. Uh, a guy that I don't have, I think, you know, I definitely know, like for example, I know talking to teams that Jake Sanderson is a consensus, like top 10, top 12 guy. And he, he's not that for, on, on my board. 
right you have now. Him? Hold on. I, 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 yeah. I, I, he was just, he was a just missed for me. From oh, the top he's in the before you ask category. Wow. Yes. Poor Jake Sanderson. MVP of the uh, All American Prospect game, for the record. I, yep, I know. I was there. <laughs> I was watching really closely um, every shift of his. I, in that, I'm in that sure game. you were. Um, and I would probably say, you know, I, I definitely know quite a lot of people who are big fans of Caden Gooley. Okay. At, at in Prince Albert in the WHL. Um, I could see him. Uh, and he has a lot of the same elements that Cider has. That I think makes him a tr- made him attractive in that he's a, a tremendous skater. Uh, he's physical. He can move the puck fine. Not exceptionally well, but he can move the puck fine. Um, I think he's. I think if I had to pick a guy who's going to go, you know, rather high, who maybe he's not a really sexy name right now, I, that'd be one. Just, I know I talked to numerous teams, and there's a lot of people who really like him. If he can skate and he's physical, like some someone's gonna get excited about him. Like that's yeah, no, he's like a really high end skater, and yeah. it's and he and he and he can and he you know he he closes on guys really well, and he's uh, you know he's a he's a he's a better version of his brother. Right. Uh, I would say more physical, more physical, and a little more skilled version of his brother. Um, yeah. so I definitely know a lot of people who are big fans of him. Um, all right, last my last thought, and then if you want to add anything else about this list, is the guy you know, Askarov, the goalie, who I don't know what to do with him ever. But yeah, what do you think? and yeah. I, I just came back from watching him. I saw him play a couple of times, and I he actually did not really have the best showing there at the Five Nations, mm. um, which combined with his very media, which is with his not mediocre, his poor uh, World Juniors. You know, I have a five now because I. I I've been watching him for a long time, and I thought he looked like a special goalie prospect. But I'm, I'm going to really need to think that one over for a while, and mm. you know, we'll see how he does at the U18 Worlds in April, and how he does the rest of the season when he plays. But uh, that's a real tough one there. Yeah, he, that's. He, I mean, that could, that could go anywhere. Um, I know. Right. I mean, you'll, you'll never you'll never forget him though for ruining your call last April. No. I think it ended up better. So I, I owe him. Uh, I, I thought it made added, added drama to my story. So <laughs> I'm sticking with that. Um, all right. To wrap up here, let's let's. I, I uh, posed uh, gave people on Twitter the opportunity to ask you some questions, and I did it a week ago. So let me see. And then I did it again today. But we got a lot of responses last week. Um, a lot of more insider questions. I don't know. Maybe a lot of my followers are from Detroit. The one recently. Really? Well, why do you why do you think that? <laughs> People are very interested in him. Um, I'll ask you this one: Do you think, in your opinion, a cider Philip Heronic pair could be a league average first pair? Yeah, sure. I I I would hope so. Like that's that's what. Yeah, no. I mean, I think I, yeah, I, yeah. I think you know, Heronic is, is a tremendous player, and I think cider projects as a first pairing defenseman. So I. Yeah, you know, I think calling it a standard first pair is definitely reasonable. You okay. know, are are either of them projected as like top ten defensemen in the NHL? I, you know, I could probably uh, Sider probably not. Hironic has a little bit more offense to him, so yeah, you know, I, you know, I'm I'm open to that debate. Um, but I think they could definitely be a standard first pair for sure. Is Sider? This is another follow up. Is more Sider the best D prospect right now? Would you have my? Was he your top D on your list? No, you had By, um, Byram. Byram, yeah, so, but so he's in the conversation. Now. He's in, he's in the conversation, and uh, yeah, like if someone wanted to put him as the number one D, like I would say that's re- it's reasonable. Um, I would put Byram ahead right now, and I did I have Cider or Soderstrom mm, next? I've already closed that window, so we'll never know. I mean, I have it open; it's fine. Uh, I think I had. <laughs> No, I had Cider at six, Soderstrom at eight. So I think all three of those guys are in that conversation. Yeah. And last Cider question, will he be a 20-time Norris winner? Red Wings fans are really excited about him, if you haven't picked up that. That 20 seems high. 20 seems high. Maybe Mm -hmm. only like 17. Yeah, I think you can get to 17. Um, Ryan Merkley of the San Jose Sharks, do you think he's shown enough defensive and maturity growth to make it in the NHL? Ryan Merkley, one of the fascinating. Um, 
he's having a really good year. Like he's got to be one of the candidates to be the he. It's, it's between him and the overager Hoffenmeyer for OHLD of the year right now. Um, he is getting more responsibility defensively. Like they have him on the PK now in London. Um, I think historically you have to be careful with those 19 year olds who all of a sudden become much better defensively in their fourth year in junior. Yeah. Uh, I, I find with those cases, when the guys make the leap to the pro, all of a sudden, some of those things, some of those old habits kind of kick in again. Hmm. Um, I do like Ryan Merkley. I think he's going to be a great, I think he's going to be a good, good NHL player. Um, I probably wouldn't bet on him be killing penalties in the NHL though. Um, right, I, right. You know, I he's had, but he's having a he's having a really good year. I mean, he's been he's a top player for one of the top teams in the OHL, and I think he's shown you know the elite the elite offensive attributes that that make him who he is. Um, so I, you got to give him credit for at least being you know fine defensively for them. And when I've watched him, I thought his defensive game has looked fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is 19 in the OHL. We'll see how he does as a pro next season. This question comes from David Newman. Five, would the 2019 draft look different if it was held today? I mean, I would say absolutely. Um, yeah. We, got, we have more time I mean, to evaluate. I mean, uh, yeah. What would be the biggest difference, yeah. I guess? Let me, I'm going to rephrase this. Um, I, I'm not sure Turcotte goes top five. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know if Soderstrom gets to 11 mm-hmm. for the Coyotes. Yeah. Um. Uh, trying to think of anything else that comes right, right to my mind right away. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of things that could change. I mean, I just saw um, uh, in Yarmo Kekalainen's uh, press conference after the trade deadline, he called uh, Dmitry Voronkov a guy who they weren't going to trade at all, who was a fourth round pick of theirs in their in the last draft. Yeah. Um, no, and he had a great World Juniors, um, yeah. but but like things change so much. I mean, you look at any draft list from August to June, and there's you know trem- uh, to- there's a tremendous amount of changes. Um, you know, Nick Robertson gets into the first round. You think that if we're doing it right? Oh, now? Oh yeah, yeah. Nick Robertson yeah. would be well in the first round. That that's, yeah. that that's another one right there. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just so much changes in the course of a year when you're talking about 17, 18, 19 year olds. Uh, advancing a year in their development, um, so I mean that 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 those kind of things happen all the time. That there's just there's just always so much movement, and it's why the error rate's so high in this. Yeah, stuff. it looks to me, and because this wasn't the consent, like this wasn't uh, just an easy slam dunk. That Chicago did the right thing at three with Kirby Doc, from what I've seen of him at the NHL level. Um, I would say. I wasn't a hundred percent sold on that when they did it. Yeah, I definitely see the argument now. Right. I, I but I am open still to the argument that a guy like Cousins or Zegras, um, sure, can be as good or if not better than him. Because I wouldn't say Doc's been, you know, lights out. You know, looks like looks like a future star without a doubt, kind of thing. But he's obviously he's been able to look like a quality NHL player as an eighteen year old, uh, which is very hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, his, you know, he's playing, you know, significant minutes for that team right now. Um, so no, he's been impressive. I, I, and there was never a doubt in my mind that he had the third best toolkit in that draft. Yeah, I mean, six four with his skating, with his skill in hockey sense, like he, there was never a doubt in my mind he he had the third best toolkit. I, it was his season last year that worried me, where he was just really inconsistent and just the production was a flag for me. Um, but I mean, he's, you know, he has 20 points in the NHL. That's, you know, it's not nothing. I mean, that's basically as much as Jack Hughes has so far. Right. Right. Um, I, I'm going to ask this one, but I don't know how to say the guy's name and I don't know, like, I don't want to sure. spring a guy on you. Helge Granz. H-E-L-G-E. I mean, yeah. Is eligible yeah, for the draft, so- but not ranked in the first round. This is, comes from Lars Thorzell on Twitter. I have seen him play some, and he has 17 games played in SHL. As I see it, he should be moved much further up. Um, the rankings, I think he looks like a solid pick, but or am I missing something? <laughs> you don't have to spend um, a lot of time on this one, but I just think it's an interesting. No, yeah, six three. I've watched a lot. I've watched a lot of Helge over the years. Like Helge, okay, six three D, pretty good skill. Has a has a hard shot from the point. Uh, I think he came out of the first round for me would just be he's a very average skater. 
Okay. Uh, just saw him play at the Five Nations, and I thought he was fine. Um, I wouldn't say he he, he stood out as, as a first round caliber kind of prospect. I do like him though, because like I said, I think with the, with with the size, the skill, the shot, I think there's a place to take him. But I I wasn't sold from what I've seen that it's the first round. Okay, uh, this comes from JP Claremont. Did Cole Caulfield's play evolve um, as you thought it would over the last year? I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Is there something new in his game that could make him a more complete player at the NHL level? Thank you for your time. I love what you guys are doing. Thank you, JP. Um, yeah, Cole Caulfield, I guess the I, the assumption here is maybe he's a little one-dimensional. Great shot. Is his game rounding out as he matures? I think when you watched him this year where he's not playing with Jack Hughes anymore, yeah. I think he's shown that he can create on his own. And I think I always knew he could do that, but I think, you know, there was always like, you know, when he played at the NTDP, you know, Jack was the zone entry guy. He was the playmaker in the power play. And I think, you know, Cole's kind of shown when you watch him at Wisconsin that, you know, he can he can be that guy too. Um, so, you know, I've been really impressed. I think, you know, he's probably been arguably the best freshman in the nation so far. Okay. All right. Good. You may not want to answer this one, so feel free to take the pass, but I've, <laughs> I like, I oh like the question. Come from Tom Wishman, who asks, based on drafting record and personal interaction, which scouts – do you think are the most successful and should be getting advanced in their organization? Should be targeted for a ra- uh, a promotion. Are there like okay. is there a scout that you look at and say that guy's a future GM? <laughs> you, you might not. Okay, yes, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm probably gonna need. I'm gonna need to take a pass on that one. <laughs> all right, fine, Corey. Uh, that's all right. Well. Yes, I mean that that that's a that's a Pandora's box. I don't want to open. <laughs> yeah, if you say one guy, you're gonna get twenty other. Because they're all listening to this, I'm sure. Um, in your opinion, what is the ceiling for Max Baltman? I mean, above above average regular. <laughs> <laughs> replacement level? Would you say replacement level or higher? Um, how well is Broberg at passing the puck? We see lots talked about his transition game and where he just carries it himself. Is he an adequate passer? I think so. I don't think I don't think he's a tremendous passer. I think with with Broberg, there's the decision making could be come and go. I think he a little risky at times, but I think what he he I think definitely have seen him make some you know some really nice plays. I I don't in terms of his actual ability to distribute, I have no issues there. I just think sometimes he he could be a little risky. All right, I'd say this comes from Robert Hutchins. I'd say Trevor Zegers was one of the weaker number one prospects you have ranked. Um, oh, I, actually, he's not making a statement there. He's out. There's a typo there. Is Trevor Zegras one of the weaker number one prospects you have ranked? He looks like a dynamic player, but maybe not a franchise-altering guy. Am I wrong in thinking that? No, I think that's fair. Um, you know, I when I put him number one, I kind of had a little flag go off in my head of like, oh, like this this looks really similar to Casey Middlestead, mm. you know, where he's having a re- pretty good year it's not a great year though and you know maybe am i overreacting to the world juniors am i overreacting to his skill um and you know it's, it's, those are those are things i thought about but uh, you know i've watched zegris for for many years obviously and i'm confident in, in 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 what i think he can do as a hockey player um and i really didn't see another player there who i thought really just completely deserved to be the number one i I thought it was close between him and cousins Mm -hmm. um but i you know and i I was open to arguments from all from 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 our readers from talking to scouts of okay well if it's not him who is number one and i really didn't really hear a convincing argument otherwise all right and last one because it's gonna it'll allow us to tease a little bit to your next piece at the athletic um and if you're not a subscriber don't go to theathletic.com slash full60 to get a 40% off. Don't subscribe to Corey's story. Subscribe through my link. Um, nope. Nope. That's the wrong thing to do. You you, you should tell all your friends to subscribe <laughs> through Corey's links. <laughs> so if you want to read Corey's next story on college free agents, make sure you go to theathletic.com slash full60. Then it'll give you full access to all of his stories. Who are th- this comes from Andrew the Prof seven twenty two. Who are the top three or four college free agents who will be available this summer? And you don't have to give us um, a caveat that none of them are going to pan out. We already know that. I I like Josh Dunn at Clarkson. Okay. 
Um, Jack of Sean, St. Cloud. All right. Um, I like those are those are two guys I think could play in the NHL. Um, other guys would be Drew Connor, Connor Mackey. Uh, I don't remember the uh, Brinson Pasichnuk, Arizona State. Yeah, I, I don't heard. Uh, I heard was, about him a bit. The yeah, Arizona State. Yeah, uh, well, he ha- he has been linked to Detroit. Maybe that's why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go ahead. Didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, no, no, th- th- those are the main names that came to mind. I'm sure I'm missing one or two, but uh, uh, you know that's not including any guys who have been drafted who may walk as seniors. Mm. Um, the, the the column will have those guys included as well, as well as any of the European and and, and uh, junior free agents. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to reading that. I, it's a day late because you had the flu. I'm not going to hold that against you. When is that? That's going to be posted today, right? Uh, well, it was supposed to be posted today. It'll go tomorrow now. It's going to go tomorrow at the same time as, as this podcast. So definitely check that out. Corey, thanks for fighting through this. Oh, my dog's barking, so that means we got to wrap up. Thanks for doing this, Corey. I hope you're yep, feeling sure better because you sound awful. Thank you. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. I want to thank Corey Promen for joining the podcast, fighting through the flu. It seems like everybody, gosh, everyone's been dealing with something this season. It's been it's been crazy, but Corey battled through it. Great analysis as always. Again, a reminder, he's got the the piece on college free agents coming out as we speak, I imagine. It's it's at theathletic.com. Also, all the files that we referenced, uh, all of his big lists are there. And and as I mentioned in the conversation, Probably the best way is just to Google Corey Promen, The Athletic. Go to his um, author page at the site, and you can see everything he's done. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, as always, I would encourage you to take advantage of our 40% off um, discount for listeners to the full 60. Go to theathletic.com slash full 60 to get that discount. And before we wrap up, I just wanted to give a thank you to OMFG Pizza. For the five-star review on Apple Podcasts, it says, Craig does an incredible job of helping his guests tell their stories and asking the questions I would never think to ask. Super easy listening with binge-worthy episodes that lend fantastic perspective and context to the NHL and greater hockey ecosystem. I like that a little parenthetical there. And the individuals who make it what it is, an absolute must-listen pod for any hockey fan, regardless of where your fandom lies. P.S., if you haven't subscribed to The Athletic yet, you're doing something seriously wrong. That that may sound like a review that I crafted myself. I can assure you it's not. That is the perfect review. I really appreciate it. If you haven't left a review yet, um, I, it, it helps us out a ton. So go to Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you listen to this. It, it, really, it really boosts us. It helps uh, raise listenership. So thank you so much again for that review. Thank you to everyone else who has also left reviews. And that's it. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.